Welcome to the Sacred Secrets Podcast. It is Women's Month, and today we are honoring women, all you amazing women. We are in a time of multiple crises, pandemic, wars, and economic uncertainties. But irrespective, this is your month. Life is trying, ain't no doubt about it. At times we get knocked down, you may fall flat. Don't be ashamed, we all been through that. But we got your back. We begin our discussion with our amazing co-host, the ever-lovely Kinshasa, the amazing Gem, and the incomparable Marianne. Let's talk about our favorite origin stories of women. Well, I was looking into um, indigenous cultures, and there is a story mm. of Sky Woman. It is an Iroquois myth, a Native American myth. And they said before the world was fully formed, there were two realms, one of the sky and one of the lower world. And apparently this pregnant woman fell from the sky kingdom through a hole that was left from a tree that was uprooted. And she kept on falling, falling, falling. And the birds came to help her. And they uh, put her down next on the turtle, the great turtle. And then animals started bringing earth to her. And that's how they say the earth was formed. And still in uh, American or indigenous cultures, North America is referred to as Turtle Island. That's interesting. And it's funny that you mentioned that whole thing with North America, because when we think about origin stories, we think about Adam and Eve. Yeah, that's very true, because, I mean, the the culture is built on, you know, the pilgrims and, you know, all of that. Most of the written culture is built on that. But what I like about the indigenous culture is that women are seen as Mother Earth and healers, and that. you know, like a sacred light. That is beautiful with the Native American stories where woman is sacred. Love it. Any other origin stories of women? I was going to say this is not an origin story, but this is more of like a um, a myth, a negative mm-hmm. image, but it mm-hmm. portrays a negative image. Um, so it's called, the spirit is called an Oleg, um, or an, what I realize it's O-L-D-H-I-G-U-E, but it's really old hag. Um, the woman is said to prey on the little babies and she comes at night. Um, and to ward off this evil spirit or this Oleg is that uh, you want to put a pile of rice by your front door. You want to lay down a broom, a pointer broom, which is made from the palm. And all of these steps you're taking to avoid her coming to like snatch or um, interfere with your little baby. And And what it spoke to me is that the spirit of a, a woman is like she can never get old because she gets old and now she's considered this um, this thing to be feared or hated. I was so like distressed realizing what it meant and the symbolism behind it, you know, and then going back to the broom, like the broom, you know, even to this day, if you go in Guyanese culture and you sweep, or many of the Caribbean cultures, you sweep the person's foot, um, with a pointer broom, they will be carrying on. Women I mean, carry male on. child, female child, it doesn't matter, but they will be upset and they will be wanting to, in our, in our <laughs> country, you have to lay down the broom and then they, they think home. old hag is coming for them, girl. <laughs> 
I grew I grew up like this. Like, oh my God, did you sweep my foot with this broom? And then you jump over the broom. <laughs> it's not till coming to America that I realized, oh, jumping the broom is actually a tradition um, that African-Americans practice as well. So I was like, oh, that's so interesting. But for me, I was reading something about Greek mythology. So the goddess of the earth, her name was Gaia. And they, I'm hope I'm pronouncing it right. But they're saying like for her, whenever she was in a picture, you know, pictorial images of her is of a buxom, you know, voluptuous woman who is rising from the earth. And they spoke about how fierce she was when it came to her offsprings. She had multiple lovers. And from these lovers, that's what created, they said, the gods in the sky. And for some reason, either the lovers or the husband or her own son was always trying to imprison her seed or her other children. And she would literally join alliances with others in the fight to liberate her kids. And I just thought, wow, that is one fierce mother, Gaia, the goddess of the earth. Where do you guys think this pressure comes from for women to take on so much? Right. So um, I think it's a combination of uh, like, I think it's a combination of society. And uh, I think those expectations have been there for so long that we just take them on ourselves. And so it's now a part of us. And one of my favorite um, authors, Toni Morrison, her in her book, Song of Solomon, it's it, th- this is like a, a, something that I just never forgot after reading it because it reminded me of how I was raised, how, how we grew up. And it said all our lives, he would parade us, and this is her father, he would parade us like virgins through Babylon, then humiliate us like whores in Babylon. And... I think that's just the same in general, you know, like a woman must be a combination of a siren when a man wants and a virgin mm-hmm. in order to, to keep and attract him. She has to be able to keep a good home. She has to be a nurturer. She has to be meek and mild. I think for me, the pressure to um, take on so much comes from myself and from society. Um, I feel like I have to get it all done. So like even for work, I might start seven in the morning and end at seven in the evening because I'm trying to get it all Mm. done. And again, I put that pressure on myself, but I think that's also a pressure from uh, society as well to get it all done. You know, we, we are expected to do everything, take care of kids, take care of the home, have a career. And for me, I I need to stop putting that pressure on myself. I need to prioritize. So that's what I'm learning to do. But I know for me, Mm -hmm. I I put it on myself. I know that the saddest part is many of these jobs knows that it's unrealistic what's expected, but they're not going to verbalize it. Because at the end of the day, this is what seven hours worth of work looks like. It's going to get just a partial amount of the work done. And as much as I'm a big proponent of Kinshasa, like, girl, you need to shut down that computer. Because sometimes Kinshasa is like going all the way through. And I'm like, uh-uh, girl. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do the same. But it, you know what it is? It's like when you're doing it vicariously through somebody else, you have so much opinion. Right now, I'm, I'm intentionally telling myself, okay, stop. The most you're going to give is 20, 30 minute extra. And that's it. 
then you're going because tomorrow is another day. And you know, it's so funny, as you said, it's really based on what's happening, you know, North America versus other places in the world. Because it's interesting, I was reading something about uh, matrilineal societies. And they're saying that they're found predominantly like in Ghana, Indonesia, Malaysia, and I think some parts of China. Uh, anybody ever heard of this thing called the Kazi tribe? I, I never heard about them until recently. They're actually found in, in northern India. And what happens, they're saying like this, I mean, you know, this is a morbid sense of humor. However, several years ago, the Kazi men were calling, were called, were, had started a movement called the Men's Liberation Movement because it is a matrilineal society. And the women are the ones who actually, they're the ones who actually acquire the land. They pass it on through their daughters. Uh-huh. And the women's surnames are actually given to the men. Isn't that something? Wow, yeah. that's amazing. And what was that documentary you're watching, Marion? You're sharing that recently. Oh, I, I don't know the name of the documentary, but uh, they were talking about this uh, the society in China where the, the women were basically leading the the entire society. And they had, there there was not this a sense that women were whores. They didn't um, hold virginity to such a, um, a high standard that a woman who did not have a virginity was seen as uh, some whore or slut, which is what it's so easy to call a woman whore or slut in our society. So in that society, a woman can have multiple partners and no one looks down on her because as as part of her growing up, she has the ability to take multiple lovers. And and I think that's incredibly liberating. Um, I think any any of these roles, and I, and I even, I mean, I know this is Women's History Month or Women's Month, but really for men, the same kind of, um, uh, th- these these roles that they've uh, we've put on all of these different uh, genders based on society is also um, choking yeah. them to death as well. So it's, it's not just us Agreed. affected by it. I, I can just think of, yeah, you know, like the dad is supposed to be the, the, um, the, the breadwinner. And then there is, sh- and the protector. And now with these stay-at-home dads, there yeah. is shame put on their heads because they're not the quote-unquote breadwinner. And you want to hear something, as you said, it's so uh, cultural as well. Because in, in these metrilineal societies, it's actually the man's role to take care of the children and to have that community, you know, the communal earth going. Yeah. Wow. But as you wow. said, it's like when we start putting the stereotypes to it and then we start kind of undermining the role that they play because they're not playing the traditional role. And it's I, I think um, they were talking about uh, China, a place in China. They said, it, I think it's called the Mazua people. They call it the kingdom of women. And what I like with this one, they said that the grandmother is the leader of the family and there's a fire pit in her room, guys. And they said the fire pit cannot go out. So the family's always coming in to put on more wood and making sure that everything is well. And what Marin speaks of, they actually call it a walk in marriage. So what happens when a woman comes of age, she's given her own entry point and she decides, you know, which lover is going to come. And the man who, you know, they copulate, they do whatever they want to do. He returns to his matrilineal household. 
And people say this is how it works. The ones who decide to stay married, they are like, this works for us. So, Jem, what, going back to that original question, where do you think this pressure comes from for women to take on so much? Um, I would just say I, I basically agree with everything you all have been saying, um, Marianne and Kinshasa, and also uh, you, Terry, when you point out some of the differences in how women are viewed and, and how the pressure is different in different communities. For me personally, I would say my pressure comes from society at large, you know, my community, my cultural background, my individual family, and what they see that I'm supposed to do as a woman who has, you know, reached adulthood, how, how the level of greatness I should have by this point. Um, and then also religion, you know, that you are supposed to be a certain way if you are a woman, um, before present day, before pandemic, I felt pressures. I think current pandemic times, I feel even more pressure. Um, there's pressure to excel at your career, pressure to excel at being a partner or a spouse, um, pressure to excel at, at motherhood and, and be this mother figure, even if you're not a, a mother, just to be mothering to other, other people in your, um, community and your family, all of that is rolled up into this superhuman um, thing that we're supposed to all aspire to. And it's not easy with social media showing these celebrities doing it all. Oh, yes. Meanwhile, they have cook, butler, this, that, driver, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, doctors that can come to their house. It's like, meanwhile, you're here looking and inspiring to be like, well, geez, if they're doing it, maybe I can do it. And it's this false reality because it's not possible it is just not possible you know i remember being a new mom and feeling this sense of shame for not wanting to um not wanting to go back to work you know i had carried this baby for nine plus months and i had this whole vision of being staying home for uh, six months and each of my three children i stayed home six months i don't know how i did it but i stayed home six months to exclusively breastfeed and to do the bonding time and all that that's so important yeah and it's so important but i remember feeling like oh you did college and you did all of that and you worked and you did uh, to stay home and no one specifically said it to me no one not anybody said it to me but i still felt it and that pressure was coming, like Kinshasa said, from internal. You know, you just applying pressure of what you think you should be doing. But long story short, after six months of being a breastfeeding, poop, poopy diaper cleaning, you know, cleaning up after the child every se- second of the day, not having conversation with anybody but my little non nonverbal, to- um, not toddler, but infant. Infant. Mm-hmm. It drove me crazy. I craved the work and this identity that I had built for the last, I think my first child, I was 26, 27, for the last 27 years. And I just wanted to get back to that person, you know, and then I felt even more shame for like not wanting to stay home. So it's it's like a no win situation with the pressures Mm -hmm. that are put on us women is, is what I feel. We are closing our session and we just want to say happy Women's Month, you beautiful, amazing, one-of-a-kind woman. Let not only this month, but all months reflect on your journey and find your contribution, no matter how small. 
and celebrate. You celebrate it. Take time to rejuvenate and remember, it is an act of courage to say no to what drains your strength. And it is courageous to say yes to new adventures and all the things that keep your inner light burning. And remember, if you need help, ask for it. And as we say, ladies, after three, we got what? We got your back.